Yes, team. Today, we are talking all things marathon prep. So you are listening to the Epic Table podcast. And this week, it is I breaking down a few of the common questions you guys are sending my way. Legends, what a weekend and week in general we've had. Wow. I was uh, I was in Austin. I had a really good time there. Caught up with some mates, watched the Formula One. I know a lot of you who are now have seen the Netflix series have become more accustomed to Formula One racing. It's really good to get out there. Uh, we were there for the qualifying on Saturday, Sunday as well, for the actual race. Uh, good to see some friends. I was actually down there, got to do a bit of work too. More on that later. But uh, yeah, in general, really good weekend away. So a lot of you were asking why I was down in Austin. And if you didn't know, it was because of all the racing that was going on, plus a bit of work. But my friends, next week is the first Monday to Friday of the month. And typically, that is the first week that we go into our intermittent fasting as a collective. But if you're running the marathon or you are running some sort of long race, I'm going to tell you, let's let's move it to the following week. Now, there are a couple of little uh, caution signs here, if you will. But essentially, if intermittent fasting is just something you do all the time anyway, what I just said doesn't count. So if your body's in the same routine that it is every single day, don't change it. If, however, you are someone who, like me, fasts for the first five days of the month or the first Monday to Friday, and that just so happens to coincide with a marathon you're also doing, let's avoid that just for this week. Because I don't want to, you know, I, I'll talk about today, but you want your body used to what it's typically used to, particularly going in such a, an endurance event. So more on that later. But if you are someone who is doing imminent fast, whether next week or like me doing the week after, make sure you break your fast with athletic greens game changer love the new packaging love the new response from all of you but yeah ultimately i do so to optimize my gut health my brain health and obviously my sleep too containing all the wonderful micronutrients they always talk about so big fan of that if you want to do what i've done for the past six years every single day including on travel days Head to athleticgreens.com forward slash epic to get yourself not only the pouches, the monthly pouches, but also 5X travel packs. Definitely came in handy when I went to Austin. And on top of that, the year's supply of vitamin D3 plus K2 for free. Huge, absolutely massive wins there. All right, my team. So we're going to kick things off talking about the wonderful world of marathon prep. To begin, I want to start by kind of breaking down some common things. The idea about what to eat before the marathon is very generalistic. Like it is such sort of thing that, you know, ultimately I would recommend having, if it's going to be an excuse to eat a lot of carbohydrates, it would be running a marathon, right? So what I want to begin this conversation with you all is so certainly identifying our bio-individuality. I also want to highlight the fact that, as we said earlier, I do not want to make you feel different. I don't want your body to have to digest different things or act differently on a week where it should be working just so simply as it usually is. So what does that mean in general? Typically, when you go from a recreational runner to marathon runner, or if you're recreational training in general to a marathon event, over the course of your training, you would have increased your overall load or expenditure. And that's a combination of increasing the weekly amount of volume you were doing plus the intensity. So if you think about it, 
If you're someone who's quite fit, likes to keep active, you go for a run and you may go for a run a couple times a week, but you definitely realistically don't do the loads that you are doing to build your body up to the strenuous state of what it would have to endure during a marathon. So what does this mean uh, in terms of looking after ourselves? Well, there was a study done and I highlighted this in a recent piece of content that I shot for 10,000 where we looked at the fact, well, not maybe the, the study itself, identified that going from that transition of recreational to actually marathon, women adjusted their overall energy requirement of intake by 40%. That sounds alarming. For men, it was 15%. Now, there's a lot of subjectivity as to why women were greatly, you know, increasing their loads more than they needed to. And that was simply because maybe men are deemed and this could be just another generalist statement, to have an already increased metabolism, as we know they slightly do. And so the difference in um, expenditure overall uh, is greater for women because they've made a bigger jump. Now, I think it's, uh, you know, in, in the reading the conclusion and reading up in the other studies, we obviously have to be very cautious of what 40% means and 50% respectively for men. Overall, men still eat a lot more based on the needs of having more muscle, uh, musculature generally. So obviously you have to look after your engine. And so that is obviously another discrepancy to chat about. But what does this mean? What does this mean when it comes to our actual food intake on the week leading up to the marathon in general? Just there are things that I do want to highlight. Naturally, I feel all of you, people who are running in general who are training, you, you are typically hungrier. I'm sure you've noticed this, whether you're training for a marathon or training for something else, as you increase your training regime and increase the amount of times you've trained that week, you generally will eat more. We've all had that starvation and sometimes, unfortunately, a hangry feeling. But when it comes to these means here, we actually often undereat when it comes to training for such endurance events. I've seen it all the time. One of my biggest challenges with working with athletes was actually making sure they met their daily needs rather than having them eat enough. It was just, a, it was, it's, a, it's such a common thing. You believe it or not, a lot of people do not eat enough and simply are actually working at a deficit. And a lot of this is actually the result of being a recreational individual and going to the marathon load that we need to to train and simply not having the experience nor the thought as to how much you truly have to eat. I mean, if you think about it, some of us, wouldn't eat as much as we usually would unless we're doing the marathon. But we do the marathon once a year sometimes. It could be a one-off event that we do. We may never do it again. Other people would become so enamored with the idea of marathon training, long-distance events, or something that requires such an expenditure, no doubt will cause us to just fall into the routine of knowing we have to eat more. So what I would say, it is much better to overeat than undereat, particularly for a marathon. You're going to naturally work off a lot more energy than you think but I cannot emphasize more how important it is to truly eat enough. Your body is going through so much constant recovery, even these last couple of weeks of taper as we enter, where we deload ourselves. A couple of weeks ago, we did 30Ks. Um, don't ask me on the top of my head what that is, is in miles. But respectfully, we, that, that's, a, that's a big one. It wasn't even our biggest run. Two weeks previously, that I think we did 34Ks. So you can see the, and then even during the week, you're doing like multiple runs. So like some people were running anywhere between 
40 to 60, 65, 70 Ks sometimes a week. And that's just for a new runner of a marathon. And that's a lot of load. So my point I'm trying to make is if there's going to be a time for you to want to overeat without speculation, it would be during a marathon. So this is I, Dan, giving you absolute freedom during your training to overeat. Now, obviously there is overeating on the good stuff. Then there's overeating on just anything. And there is a difference. Now, if you ask me, Dan, is it better for me to just get food in or do I have to be specific when it comes to eating the right foods? Now, I'm a realist. Like, I really want to make sure that you guys all understand that what is actually achievable. Now, some people just can't eat after a run. There has been a number of times I personally have seen myself get caught up in you know work and stuff like things during a, a lower training regime, whatever it is. We've all been there. But when it comes to eating, it is obviously very important to make sure you're eating the right foods. In saying that, I will say that although I don't like using the word calorie because I, w- I love working with nutritional density, I would much prefer you to have something than not. And if that means getting waffles into you at a brunch afterwards knowing that you know, you can eat some simple sugars and that's the best way to do it. I would highly recommend it. I really do. And I'm not saying that we should have the, if we had the choice of waffles versus something else or the same, you know, makeup, but of much more nutritional value, I would obviously go the latter. But when you are in this time, as I said earlier, it's more important to get calories in than worry about it. So eat, 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 eat. And there are a number of different factors here and we'll go into the ratio of what you should be eating in general. But ultimately, if you don't have energy, you can't perform, you definitely cannot recover, which means you will not be able to improve, rest up and make sure you are primed to actually be a part of that amazing event that is the New York City Marathon or Marathon in general. And don't let me just stipulate this for solely those who are running a marathon. This is in general. I know... Um, I've said this over and over again. I see more people under eat when it comes to performance than anything else. And it's whether, you know, it's not necessarily an eating disorder either. I think it's rather a lack of knowledge. That's where I come in. So it's all well and good. So we've talked about, I've highlighted the importance of not under eating. And there are ways that you can look at simply to, uh, you know, how much should I be having? We'll talk about that in a second. But I want to just quickly tap into the ratio to look at. Now, I think the most common one and the easy one to define, and again, before I highlight this, I do want to put some subtext in here and say this is very important to know your body and how you respond to glucose versus fat versus other forms of macronutrients, uh, how your gut is made up of, obviously, the good bugs versus the bad bugs, all of that. Yes, we talk about this with Zoe a lot as well. But really, what I want to make sure you guys know is that the basis for a, I guess, a simplistic way of understanding is a 50% makeup of carbohydrates, a 30% makeup of fat, and a 20% makeup of protein. So if you looked at your plate and 50% of it was fruit or starch rice or pasta, potatoes, anything of that calorie, that is 50% of what you should be aiming for roughly. 30% fat, 20% protein. 
really, really like, I don't want you to have to look at your plates now and go, oh no, I'm doing it wrong. And what's really key to identify there is I haven't talked about the micronutrients and you guys know how much I play more of an important role in those things. So just make sure you're eating plenty of color. But ultimately, when you're looking at your daily intake, 50% um, 50 of your ratio should come from from carbs, 30% from fat, 20% from protein. And we're definitely going to talk about water and hydration in a second, but don't have to live and die by that. Just know that you should be increasing your starch, having a moderate amount of fat and a little bit less of protein based on what we know in science. Some people prefer to be keto, so obviously that's going to change their ratio, but I'm just going to tell you what I'm going to be doing, and that's eating a lot of carbs. Uh, I know my body responds really well to glucose. It's what works, so everyone have fun with it. Smash some pasta. Get involved with the potato bake. It's cleaner. All the wonderful things you can now do considering you're about to endure one awesome day. So 50%, 30 20 Just remember that. And you can also look at that as like, I'm having a solid amount of carbohydrates of the protein I'm having. There could be some natural fat in there already, or I could be having avocado, nuts, seeds, oils, like olive oils. I don't think you have to truly like, you know, break that down to specific. I think carbohydrates is most important in my opinion um, to to kind of factor in in terms of ratio. If you're under, under eating, a lot of it can just simply be rectified by the carbohydrate sources as well. Going back to what we're talking about with the amount of food increase. And I think it's so important to be realistic again, but you know your body when you're stuffed, right? And you feel uncomfortable. Should never really get to that stage. I'm not asking you to stuff your faces. (laughs) More or less, I'm, I'm asking you to listen to your body. And I think you'll notice that over the course of your training, and this is with everything again, you notice you probably want to eat more. So just listen to your body and, and kind of lean into that. Now, I will say that women will realistically probably eat a, a, a complete full meal based on that 40%. So if you're thinking you're eating the three meals, you may you know, increase an extra fourth meal in there just on average. Males will probably add a little bit extra to every single meal. That's on average, right? So if you take the same ratio breakup we just had, 50%, 30%, 20%, the best way to apply it would be to simply add a little bit more to each meal or add in an extra full meal. And ultimately, if you're still hungry in either of those categories, I would eat more. Just honestly, let it happen. If you're someone who's like, I'm absolutely stuffed and uncomfortable, let's take it back a little bit. The worst you can do is put your body in an uncomfortable situation um, by feeling like you are adding, you have to add more, 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 more. I've said this before to the teams I've worked with, the individuals. Let's just make sure that your body feels prepared, but don't force it if it's not giving it back to you. So just to reiterate, we are talking a 50% carb, 30% fat, 20% protein, where you would typically, on uh, as a female, add a full meal. As a male, add extra every single meal. But ultimately, that does not mean you have to defy the, by those things, whether you actually still need to eat more than that or cut it back is definitely up to you. For example, I know typically I eat you know four meals minimum a day plus you know smoothies. I eat a lot. So going through the marathon, it's actually easier for me to add more to each meal as opposed to increasing a full meal. 
And that's just realistic for me. It'd be like an extra meal that I have to cook, create, or go and get, right? So what I do is just double down on a lot of things I'm having so that each meal is actually worth it. Now, there are a lot of the days, I'll be honest, where I'm like, I don't think I can eat anymore, but I've gone pretty solid. Like I'm eating 5,000 calories plus. Um, And then there's days where I'm like, I just didn't do well today. Like I really didn't. Like today I flew and I fasted because I got up so early and then I had my athletic greens. So I broke the fast, but then I I didn't eat until like 1230, which is fine, but then I haven't eaten since. And so like, and I'm now recording this at 8 PM at nighttime. So I, so I I did have a shake in between. So now I'm going to like smash food tonight, but knowing tomorrow I'm going to have to, I wouldn't say make up for it, but I know that my body's going to be like, dude, I'm really hungry, right? I'm going to wake up tomorrow morning and have to definitely get like at least a banana and some oatmeal in probably before I run just to make sure I'm looking after myself. So listen to your body is the, is the moral of this story. So we define the ratio. We talked about what that increase in overall intake would be if you based on those early percentages taking this back to your week leading up if you have not already been increasing your food intake because you're scared to i wouldn't do too drastic a thing i know it sounds weird but if you try to almost probably double what you typically would be going through now based on what you should have done from the start your body just will not be able to break it down properly and it will be uncomfortable but if you're someone who's like, oh, I probably could eat a little bit more going into next week or the week leading into your marathon, let's make sure you increase your food uh, for sure. All right. So don't make it too drastic. You, you, you like it will be uncomfortable if you've gone too far. But the best thing you can do is make sure I said earlier that you do not under nutritional value sell through your nutrient intake. So glad we settled on that one, team. And again, I'm really excited to drop in some wonderful notes. If you need some more, obviously you can hit me up, DM me at Dan underscore Churchill. So we defined the ratio. We've put into an unsigned, or how do I say this? Non-scientific? Yeah. So I've used science to tell you guys in a much more relatable way how you can relate your extra meal intake as well. Now let's talk about hydration, the world of fluids, hydration, and electrolytes. This is an exciting topic team and far out. Am I really pumped to get into it? Because I think this is something that is still so surface level. When you are a recreational runner going for a marathon, or if you're someone who is, you know, pretty new to it, but maybe a bit more experienced when it comes to training in general, this is something that I think has the biggest influence on our performance. And I think we still neglect it a lot. For example, we have an awesome group of runners that I know are learning about electrolytes for the first time potentially. And you know, I know it's not just them, it's everybody out there. This world of nutrition is so important and I think fluidity and like, you know, just full transparency, oh, I did fluidity, do you like that? So like working with like fluids and just being truly honest about this, electrolytes can be where the game's won and lost uh, on so many you know, levels. But first and foremost, we need electrolytes. We also need water. But if we drink too much water, Without the electrolytes, we will cause our cells to swell and their performance will definitely diminish. So what I would suggest is, yes, we need to, in general, increase the amount of water we are having. But as we increase the amount of water, let's also include our electrolytes. Electrolytes are essential for so many things that we need in our body. The main three that you may have heard of are sodium, potassium, and magnesium, all of which are responsible for many things, particularly around 
making sure our body stays hydrated. These are wonderful things that once in water give off an electric charge and help promote and do a lot of things around pH balancing, uh, obviously brain cell function, cell, cell function in general. Uh, like on their own, magnesium is crucial for muscular contractions. Potassium obviously is massive uh, for a lot of those like things of fluidity and, and hydration in general as well. But as electrolytes, we need them. Fun fact, salt. People talk to me about this. Is that sodium? 40% of salt is sodium. So if you look at table salt and you look at, say, you've got a teaspoon there, 40% of that would be making up of the sodium you have. Now, what's really important to note that is – a thousand milligrams sounds like a lot, and it is. And obviously, we have a lot of research to suggest increasing the amount of sodium in your diet will lead to a lot of problems around heart-related disease, which is true if you are not doing it, if you're doing independently of exercise. So, let's get this factor right. In general, during your training, you will lose anywhere between, say, 200 to 700 milligrams of sodium per hour of training. Now, this is not just as a marathon runner. Yes, those sport drinks we see actually have a benefit and that's just outside of them when we give them to kids or our friends who just want a sweet drink. They're not healthy unless you're using them generally for those means. Now, in saying that, there are much better sport drink alternatives out there that will support and actually do better things because they do not have the same... Um, I would say refined sugar options available in them. So I'll discuss those in a second. But in general, if you are someone who has gone for a two-hour event run or you are training for two hours, you will probably lose anywhere between, as I said, say 350 up to 700 milligrams per hour. So if you went for 200, it could be anywhere between 700 or 1,500 milligrams of sodium. Now, where do you lie on that scale? This is where it's pretty important to understand your salt factor. Now, I'm someone who sweats so much. Now, if you're a heavy sweater, you are definitely towards that upper limit. And there's another way to kind of justify this. If you see that your the remnants of salt over your caps, your t-shirts, everything, everything like that, it's pretty obvious. You need to replenish all that salt because if you do not, it can be a bad thing. You could also look at your, your pee. Like, honestly, go check out your pee. Is your pee yellow? Is it bright yellow? More often than not, after runs and whatnot, you generally are. So the best way you can do that is when you finish a run and your body's still peeing quite translucent. It's awesome. Such a good feeling. Um, you know, not to get too graphic, but that's honestly like a great little justification for yourself. And that's all done before the race. Like the the, the you've won the battle if you've gone gotten to the race or the event or the training session when you have hydrated correctly. So. If you are leading into a marathon, I recommend going from 800 to 1,000 and 1,000 the three days prior to your marathon. What does I mean by that? So to clarify, say your race is on a Sunday. On the Saturday, you would do 1,000 milligrams. On the Friday, you do 1,000 milligrams. And on the Thursday, you do 800 milligrams additional to what you already were eating that day. So that would just simply be having a, an extra sachet or two um, dispersed throughout the day in, say, you know, a big, big glob of water. Could be 32 ounces, um, quite a few cups, maybe a big shaker bottle, whatever it is. But it's okay to have that because what you want to be doing is getting your body super hydrated. Because if you think about it, it's going to be – say you're running for four or three to four to five to six hours sometimes. 
It's going to be very hard to consistently be taking on the fluid to support yourself. So in next week's episode, we're going to talk a little bit about like the race day nutrition, but today is obviously the leading in. And I want to make sure that you guys get a full understanding of what that looks like. I've talked about this before, but I have this company that, um, not this company, this, this sachet that I've been using. Uh, I used a couple of different sachets. One of them is company called Element and it's LMNT and I like them. I don't work with them, but I love their product because it's refined sugar free. Um, another one is the, uh, oh, the awesome team from BPN, but Bear Performance Nutrition. I've interviewed Adam Clink the other day. I've obviously had Nick Bear on before. Both of them become great teammates uh, just in general. And I will say that they have an electrolyte per scoop now. It's 500 milligrams of sodium um, or electrolytes in general. So when you put that together, if you're trying to, you know, put that together, what you do is like a thousand is two scoops. You may do that twice over the day and get what you need. So if you're looking for, you know, sodium, electrolytes, potassium, magnesium, all these kind of things, look for ones that have minimal refined sugar in them. Like you'll see like the cane sugar or the high fructose corn syrup can get in there too. So be aware of those ones. Um, and yeah, you want to be looking for the amount of sodium they're having. And it does sound like a lot, but trust me, on the day, the worst thing you're doing is cramping up or being lackluster in energy. And we're going to then talk about how to support your race day nutrition with electrolytes next week. But also you want to have some epic, um, wonderful, I would say, gels. We'll get to that in a second. So just a little summation from that. Let's get in 800, 1,000, 1,000 at a minimum based on that sodium stream leading into your marathon day. Now, on your training sessions, you should be replenishing anyway. So make sure you're having, if you're training those multiple hours, base that formula around 350 milligrams per hour minimum up to 700 um, you know, max. You can even go further than that. There are studies that show people do lose that amount of electrolytes. Drink plenty of water, but do so without, you know, neglecting your electrolytes. They're so important. So if you're going to increase your fluid intake, definitely increase your electrolytes, particularly around your sporting days. Now, what does this mean in general? It's not like saying whenever you go get a glass of water, you have to put some electrolytes in it. I mean, around your training, do it, but then you can also add your additional water outside of that as well. Lean into your days leading up to it with extra electrolytes. It's going to seriously help you for your day as well. We've talked about food. We've used ratios. We've talked about hydration. Now let's talk about a factor that is so controllable. My friends, I want you to sleep like babies, not just the night before, not just the night before that, but the full week leading in. It is an absolute game changer for you. Trust me, there's nothing worse than feeling exhausted or not rested at all. For the New York City Marathon, and this is a bit of an outlier, but they have to shut the bridge so in order to shut the bridge or Staten Island Bridge, you have to actually get on a bus or ferry earlier so that they then close it down, which means that you are waiting around in your sections for some time, but it means you have to get up earlier. So be prepared to get a little less sleep the night before because you've been unrest. But what I would say is the most important sleeps actually the night before the night before. So again, using my little seven-day week as an example, you have Sunday, your race day. Saturday night, the night before. Friday night is the night that really matters, all right? So make sure you sleep well then, but sleep well the whole week. 
if you have meetings, do the best that you can, that you get home well-rested, your friends and family know, you've got to get to bed early, you avoid all forms of sport at nighttime. I'm kidding. I can't obviously distrust anyone can do that. But ultimately, guys, sleep is where I guess the best form of recovery going into it is your sleep patterns. Um, and obviously, your, your massage, your, your compression therapy, all those kinds of things, your hot and cold flushes. Sleep is something that we have to do every day. Anyway, I just want to preface the more, the, the more like focus or importance you place on it, the better. So if you go, okay, for this week, I'm going to make sure I just get a little bit of extra sleep. I'm going to leave a little bit earlier. I'm going to make sure my room's even darker, a little bit chillier, and maybe I'm going to wear an eye patch. Whatever it is that's going to get you into that deep sleep, the better. So three simple factors talking about your marathon prep. We're going to increase our food intake, even though in our tapering weeks, not eating as much, uh, not training as much. We're also going to increase our fluid intake. And we're going to get our water down pat. So team, I know it's a lot, but trust me, it's one of the best days of your life, the marathon, whatever you're doing. The New York City Marathon is truly exciting. If you didn't know, I'm running as the captain for the City Harvest Marathon team. We have wonderful amount of 75 runners on the team. We're going to raise north of 275K for this wonderful organization as a collective. If you want to donate, you still can. You can head to cityharvest.org. It's there. Uh, but team, I'm really pumped. Please follow up with me if you have any further questions on this. The world of nutrition in general is a very complex thing. The world of nutrition around a marathon is something that can be so hard to kind of dial into one location. So I just kind of want to put down the, the, the factors that I live by with the food, the amount, the ratio, how to apply that as well. So we did discuss what that looks like by increasing a meal, increasing the amount of a meal. We were talking about the ratios. We even have recipes, team. So I don't want you to change too much, but if you are looking for recipe inspiration and it does lie within something that you typically would have, we're going to put some show note recipes there as well. A lot of pastas, not going to lie, they're full of excitement right there. Um, also, your fluid intake, we'll put the show notes, the respective uh, electrolytes that I like to live by just because that works for me and I just trust those brands. Um, I will say that the, the Athletic Greens just always has helped me in general because sometimes I just smash electrolytes with the athletic greens too so if you do want some of those as well athleticgreens.com forward slash epic you get those travel packs you get those wonderful pouch of goodness and of course the vitamin d3 plus k2 for a full year for free bodes well for this kind of endurance that we'll be doing so team i'm really excited to talk next week about marathon day prep in general so what you should be doing how you should be preparing yourself the type of things you should be looking for in getting your meals right for the day as well as your gels, your gel intake, all those kind of things. But uh, click all the show notes in preparation for the recipes and also the gels you'll be using. We're going to be discussing that next week on what to actually be having. So without saying any further, team, thanks for listening in on this week's special episode of The Epic Table about how to prepare for a marathon or rather the, how, the best way to prepare for a marathon. I'm Chef Dan. Keep me active with all your comms on social media and if you are running a marathon i'm pumped for you we're gonna discuss more about it next week i'm absolutely pumped for you let's get our wonderful period of taper in 
you know, that period where you just get to do less and less, get to eat more and more. It's pretty awesome. Take advantage of it. Smash some pasta because I told you, you could. All right, team. Catch you next week. Bye.